Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is sponsored by the Integrity Income Fund, which is managed by yours truly and my team at Labrador Lending. The Integrity Income Fund is for accredited investors. It aims to pay an 8% preferred return and an 8.5% preferred return for early investors. It aims to pay out monthly distributions. There's a $25,000 minimum and only a one-year lockup. If you are an accredited investor and you're looking to get away from Wall Street, looking to beat inflation, and looking for an asset class that is backed by hard physical real estate, then look no further than the Integrity Income Fund. Check it out at labradorlending.com. In this episode, I got the chance to speak with John Creasel, who is a motivational speaker, a, a radio personality. Um, an author and a military veteran. And um, turns out that John and I actually were in Iraq uh, for some of the same time in 2006. And um, unfortunately for John, he ended up losing both of his legs in an IED explosion. And he also lost two very close friends in that um, fateful incident. So needless to say, um, John had real adversity, you know, overcoming the, uh, going through his, his recovery. And then, um, he ended up actually going through a divorce after that. And, but, um, man, his perspective is phenomenal. He's a really funny guy, cracks a lot of jokes. You're, you're going to love this one. Um, he's doing great. And, you know, it, it's just, it was, it was refreshing just to hear his, his take on life. And, um, we really, connected i think on this one we, we've got the military uh thing in common and then we talked a lot about um a little bit about fantasy football and and just life in general so um his his the lessons in this this one are, are phenomenal um john's a, a great guy you can tell um and so i know you're going to enjoy this episode thanks inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest we are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable. And former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. 
Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and today I'm joined by a special guest, John Creasel. John, how are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you? Awesome. Yeah, I'm uh, juggling different things uh, from the business point of view. <laughs> a few different uh, fires to put out, but um, yeah. you know, things are going well. I'm in I'm in Maryland. It's a little bit cooler than it has been. Um, you know, for most of the summer. So not a lot to complain about. How are you doing? Very good. Yep. I'm out in uh, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. I live just south of St. Paul. And nice. it is a beautiful, it, despite what people think, they think it's winter here year round, the summer, spring, summer, fall are great. It's a nice, uh, about 70 degrees right now. It's going to get up to like 82. So perfect awesome. time of year. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Maryland, we get all four seasons, but honestly, Spring and fall seem to go by pretty quick <laughs> as far as the weather gets humid real fast. Um, John, I'm really excited that we're able to link up. Uh, I know we were going back and forth trying to schedule something. I was, uh, you know, borderline harassing you to get you on the show, and <laughs> um, I'm really excited to uh, for the listeners to hear your story because I know it's a powerful one. Um, and uh, we'll get into your your backstory in a minute here, uh, but for the Listeners, who are you today and, and uh, what do you have going on uh, today in the present time? Currently, I'm a uh, my full-time job is I'm a, a director of a veteran service office here in Minnesota. I help veterans get VA benefits, uh, survivors get VA benefits, access to all of the things that they've earned through their military service. And then uh, my other full-time job is I'm a uh, motivational speaker. I speak uh, throughout the United States, sharing my story about overcoming adversity, uh, overcoming a uh, bomb blast injury where I lost both of my legs in Iraq in 2006. And then I'm also on the Power Trip Morning Show here in the in the Twin Cities broadcast actually through the upper Midwest on KFAN. Uh, so yeah, staying very That's busy, awesome. but that is yeah. the way I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, married and I have a three-year-old daughter. So on top of all of those things. <laughs> so that's your third full-time job, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I've got I'm married and I have two kids, so it's uh how old? Um my kids are 12, my son's almost 13, um and my daughter is 15. So awesome. yeah, it's um if uh we're we're a little bit further down the road, I guess, but um you know, I can tell you what's worked and what hasn't worked and you know, but uh, <laughs> I don't think there's really a playbook. Um, you know, it, it's both of our kids are very different. Um, so, you know, what works with one doesn't necessarily work with the other, but That'd yeah, be too easy. that would make it way too easy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then what, you know, what we have to talk about if, if it was that easy, but um, yeah, kids definitely keep you busy, but um you know, and I know family is, is very important to, to me for sure. And I'm sure it is to you as well, but, um, 
obviously that we we can save the family discussion for another episode but let's let's get into your backstory and you can pick it up wherever you'd like um you know whether that's 2006 or before that and then we'll kind of walk through up and to the present day and pull out some uh lessons that were you know that you've learned and that our listeners can apply that's the point of the show um so yeah where would you like to start sure well i uh i joined the minnesota national guard on my 17th birthday I remember seeing the Gulf War on TV when I was around 10 years old and watching that. That was the first televised war in my lifetime. And I was enthralled. I I couldn't believe just it it was such a crazy situation and seeing, you know, we play war in the neighborhood as kids and all of that and build forts, all that stuff. And then watching it on TV for real, uh, it impacted me. And I remember thinking that I wanted to do that as a career. So I, I joined the minute I could, that was my 17th birthday. And it was best decision I ever made because mm-hmm. I was a goofball growing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a heck of a lot of parental guidance. So the military really took place of that, taught me the lessons I needed to be a, a pretty responsible adult. Uh, and then I joined, and my idea was that I wanted to do National Guard to see if I liked it because then you could always go to active duty. But if you go to active duty and don't like it, you have to wait till your contract's up to go national guard or reserve. So I joined mm-hmm. the guard not long after getting out of, out of, uh, infantry school, nine 11 happened. And then it really wasn't a question of if we we're going to get deployed anymore. We knew that we would. So I did a, a tour in Kosovo in 2004, got back from that immediately. There was an opportunity to go to Iraq. So those of us who went to Kosovo, we had to sign a waiver to to go because we hadn't been home long enough for it to be mm-hmm. involuntarily activated. And mm-hmm. those were some of my best buddies. So there's no way we were not going to go together. So Got we it. all signed that waiver and, yeah. uh, and then went to Iraq. We, we touched down in Iraq in uh, it was April of 2006. We were stationed at Camp Fallujah at a Marine Corps base. Got um, it. So it was, uh, that was, I mean, you were there at the same time. Yeah. yeah exactly. I was going to say, uh, so similar, you know, and, and I'll try to make, you know, n- not make the episode about me, <laughs> uh, but uh, I can relate to a lot of this. Um, I was older, you know, I am older than you, but uh, um, so I was in a similar thing where I was toying with the active duty uh, reserves, actually army reserves and um, actually went through federal OCS. And so I went through you know, active duty officer candidate school, and then um, had opted prior to that to stay in the reserves, to go to the res- the reserves route and kind of gives you more options, like you sure. said. And then, um, but I ended up doing about four years of active duty time in, you know, when I was in the reserves. So I was in Iraq. Um, I didn't necessarily, you know, volunteer. Uh, I, I did, I guess, when I joined the military, right? Sure. But I, I didn't uh, quite as actively want to get um, deployed. To be honest with you, I was uh, recently married and actually ended up missing my first three, our first three wedding anniversaries due to the military. So um, I wasn't that wasn't you know the plan. But sure. um, when you're in the military, you don't don't have as much control over right. your uh, certain things. But I was in Iraq to answer your question um, from, I guess. Uh, July 2005 to July of 2006. So it, we we left right when it was um, getting getting a lot worse. And um, where were you, you know, stationed in Iraq? So I was um, 
I was stationed, so uh, we were so we were supposed to be out west, uh, close to where you were uh, sure. in Al Habania, actually, and oh, yeah. um, familiar. And so I was on a military transition team team, and so we were working directly with the Iraqi army. And um, in Kuwait, prior to going into Iraq, you know, um, our team lead got sick, he, you know, and so he actually had to go home and. Um, Long story short, they ended up switching us with another team. So I, I ended up being deployed closer to the Iranian border where it was much quieter. And I did spend about six weeks in Baghdad when it was kind of crazy um, with the EFPs and all that stuff. But yeah. anyway, um, was supposed to be on a team. Well, our team was supposed to be closer to where it sounds like you were. And um, that team that we switched with had it had it a lot worse than we did frankly um so look i had my own i had my own room you know for the most part with air conditioning and um my own bathroom and i mean it was like uh, there was nothing to complain about so um you know i can't honestly the the deployment itself was way better than our mobilization at a uh, 40 Indian town gap, but that that's sure. a whole different story. And, um, you know, maybe I could share my story another, another day, but yeah. So it sounds like we were in, in country, um, for, you know, I guess some of a few months, at least at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, tell us more about, uh, what, uh, 2006. So we, we were in charge of, uh, force protection, which initially they just had us in towers around camp Fallujah. And then uh, the Marine colonel in charge of, of force protection kind of looked at it. And I think in, in the end, it all ended up being a plan. They can't just toss you out there and have you just figure things out. You have to ease into it. So they had us do patrols a little ways out and further out and further out until we were all the way down to the Euphrates River into an area that really hadn't seen American military since the initial invasion. So that's where the insurgent activity was at its greatest. And they wanted us to basically push the insurgents further than a seven to eight mile radius away from Camp Fallujah. So they couldn't be bombarding the base with mortars and rockets because there are 19,000 Marines and, and sailors on base. We we're pretty much the only army unit on base. There was an MLRS unit and then a laundry unit. Those were the only other army that we would see. Um, so they had us do that because there'd be days we're walking to the chow hall, the PX and there's mortars landing right in base um mm -hmm. injuring or killing people just going about their day so it became our job to stop that and um these these insurgents were no joke the mm -hmm. unit we replaced had briefly gone down there they suffered casualties and said no nah, we're good we're not going down there and we really didn't have that option so we took it to them uh there was a change in leadership in our company uh they really postured the unit to be really ready to be more of an offensive um have an offensive mission rather than sitting back kind of waiting to get hit kind of situation, which mm -hmm. seemed more dangerous, but in the end, I think ended up being a better move and more safe because it accomplished the mission because they, that they, they knew then that we were serious. And so we really kind of battled them throughout the summer and the fall of 2006, when things really kind of turned where mm -hmm. uh, our danger was, it was almost every evening, a patrol from our company would hit an IED we had these two pump houses we had to guard that uh, were critical because that's what brought water from the Euphrates River and pumped it to Camp Fallujah to supply the base with water and mm. allowed the locals to grow crops because it went through irrigation canals. So I, I didn't really picture it to be like that before I went. In my mind, mm -hmm. it was going to be just a big desert. Right, right. Uh, 
but yeah. it was it was beautiful it looked like the central plains but with palm trees hmm. and then uh the fall yeah. of 2006 by that time we were one of only three squads that had been lucky enough to not hit an improvised explosive device and mm-hmm. that all changed on december 2nd 2006 um we went mm-hmm. down to check out some suspicious activity we were stationed at the pump house for that for uh we were going to do a mission overnight we did we watched a spot nothing really happened so we had mm-hmm. to go back to pump house flanders and then our our uh, lieutenant spotted some stuff going on he wanted us to check it out so we went down with the bradley fighting vehicle ahead of us we were in an up-armored Humvee, mm-hmm. checked it out, and when we were down there, it ended up being nothing, but then we found out that one of the Raven drones above spotted somebody digging in the road about mm-hmm. two miles from us, and obviously we knew that they weren't planting flowers in the road, mm-hmm. so we had yeah. to go and, and check it out. And then uh, on the way there, I remember mm-hmm. calling in the checkpoints because I was sitting in the right front passenger seat. Mm-hmm. We're going to checkpoint 3-4. As I called in checkpoint 3-3, we had around this 90-degree turn Mm-hmm. Uh, to the south for this last stretch of road and as we rounded that i heard this metallic plink and this loud whooshing sound and then uh i woke up on the ground i hadn't yet opened my eyes i heard rocks falling rocks hitting the ground rocks hitting metal it sounded like a big hailstorm. i heard a couple of my buddies yelling so i knew what had happened i knew that we had hit an ied but i didn't really feel any pain at that point so that's when i looked down to assess my situation and by this point before the deployment, I decided I, I wanted to be a firefighter for the St. Paul Fire Department, a paramedic firefighter. So I had to go through EMT training. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that I learned in EMT training that I never really expected to have to use on myself, you know, I saw mm-hmm. my arm was broken. Then I looked down and saw that my left leg above the knee was connected maybe by a piece of skin, but my pant leg was basically holding it together. My femur was sticking out. Um, right leg below the knee looked like I stuck it in a wood chipper and was bleeding profusely. So I was pretty sure at that moment that that's where my life was going to end. Wow. I mean, that's just, there's, yeah, like on some level I can relate, but it's just, that's just crazy. I mean, as you know, there's it's no the words. Stuff you, it's the stuff over there that, I mean, there was a big sign when we left camp Fallujah that said, is today your day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that stark reality. You have to be aware of that. Yeah. Because if you get complacent, you know, complacency kills. And and so it's the thing that you hope never happens, but you're acutely aware that it can happen. And when it did, I, even though as gory as it was to look down for some strange reason, I really wasn't surprised. I just, Mm -hmm. maybe it's my life, my whole life being a Minnesota Vikings fan, just always being (laughs) prepared for, you know, the worst case scenario. Oh man. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, well, kind of it's it's it is and it isn't. Um, it's, it's, that's the thing. That's how I got through this whole thing is yeah. laughter, sense of humor. Because sure. at some point, all you can do is laugh. Really, right. that's where, why I'm in the position I am today. I think. Well, I mean, if you're open to to you know jokes, then um, you know you, you know why it was getting why it got worse in the second half of 2006. Why is that? Because I because I left. You know, I left. <laughs> Clearly, that's why. But Rambo I, I, left. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, completely kidding. But um, you know, I I don't mean to make light of what happened to you. That's not the not the point at all. But um, yeah, we did have a not 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 quite as bad, but we had a somewhat similar incident where it's you know we were actually doing more force protection. It was one of these like kind of extra duties you know extra task extra missions and like who can who can 
Um, who's got Humvees that can that can take this uh, unarmed caravan of, or it was like nine buses of unarmed Iraqi soldiers who had just graduated basic training, meaning, you know, no experience. Right. And so what? Um, yeah. Long story short, that one of the buses breaks down. Blah blah blah. We 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 there was a fake IED, you know, and then the real one went off, and so that was that was uh pretty interesting but um thankfully no one was 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 really injured uh we were able to tow one of the the vehicles back to camp victory is where it was but um so i can relate you know having been there and and i understand mortar rounds going off and ieds going off and um but i just you know i you know i can't imagine just what else was going through your your mind at that point it was uh it was weird because everything slowed down and yeah. it was like my life really flashed before my, and I, I heard one of my friends next to me fighting for his life. And I knew I had to keep my heart rate down. I had to stay calm. So I didn't look over there because if I saw that it wouldn't keep me calm, not to mention that in the outside chance that I did survive. I didn't want that visual to be burned into my mind. Um, sure. The sound, the sound will never go away hearing him. Uh, fighting for his life. And so they moved me from that spot because they had to try and get the vehicle off of them because it was on its side. It was facing the wrong. So, I mean, when I saw that the vehicle looked nothing like a Humvee at this point, the doors were a hundred yards away. It was a 200 pound bomb that we hit. They took wow. two propane tanks, cut the bottoms out, out packed hundred uh, pounds of homemade explosives in each one. And that's wow. what detonated. So the guys in the hum, uh, the Bradley fighting vehicle ahead of us came rushing back. They did a fantastic job. That combat lifesaver training really kicked in. And I'm glad that they paid attention in that class. Um, <laughs> and yeah. they, uh, you know, the, they got the tourniquets on. They got me stabilized. But going right. through my mind, really, it was, I thought it was going to be the end. I tried to stay positive. Um, the moment that I really kind of, my mindset changed to that, I have to make it. I can survive. Mm -hmm. was when I grabbed my buddy by the arm, one of the guys helping me out, Adam Gallant. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, tell my family I love them. Mm -hmm. And he told me, shut up. You're going to tell them yourself. And then I started wow. thinking, okay, I can survive. I have to. And now I still wasn't yeah. fully optimistic I was going to make it. But sure. I mean, I'd lost so much blood. I looked like hell. And uh, that helicopter got in there. They got me on there. And I was out for eight days. But I... I'm glad that I was awake for the whole thing. And I remember processing the fact, like I was thinking about playing little league baseball as a kid. I was thinking about all these things. Like my life was kind of flashing before my eyes. And I always thought, you know, I didn't see a white light or anything because I, I would have followed it, but you see all the stuff in the movies and you wonder how real it is. And it's, I'm sure it's different for everyone else, but I definitely sure. thought about my childhood and I thought about mm. um, my parents and all that. Um, and so this was, it was, this was like that same, like within an hour or like the, over the next eight days minutes. or it was 20 about 20 minutes. minutes from bomb blast to helicopter arriving. And it, it. it felt like 20 years, really, honestly, and mm -hmm. not, not because it felt like it was taking forever for the helicopter, but just sure. all of the thoughts that go through your mind, you think of everything. Uh, there was really never a, a fear of dying. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to die, yeah. but the human body really, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It just makes you calm. You know, where that's yeah. the, I was severely injured. I didn't feel a heck of a lot of pain until they, when they moved me from next to the Humvee to a safe spot, my pelvis had been broken too. So that hurt. 
they flipped my legs up onto my chest and then moved me. And I felt the pain in my pelvis. But all of the things that went through my head really, yes, I wanted to survive. I wasn't yeah. optimistic I was going to, but I was, I was very calm. And I'm glad yeah. I remember all of that because mm-hmm. as long as I live, every morning I wake up and hop into the shower, literally, yeah. and then <laughs> put my pants on my legs and put my legs on. It's a reminder of that day. And then thinking about, and I'm fortunate to not have PTSD besides my first marriage and the Vikings. So those <laughs> are, um, they're oh, excellent man. at Walter Reed at really teaching you how to, how to confront it head on. And I don't think I would have been as, as optimistic as I, as I am now, if I hadn't remembered the feeling of saying I'm going to die. I mean, really seeing a puddle of your blood in the sand and going 25 years old, this is it. I'm, I'm for sure going to die. And then now every day I wake up is a gift. And so sure. it, it really puts everything in perspective for me. And I'm so I'm obviously I'm not glad that we had yeah. to go through that, but I'm thankful for the lessons that I learned. Yeah, absolutely. That no, that's uh, everything you just said is, um, you know, have, has been a theme kind of throughout the the shows we've the episodes we've had so far as far as um you know and again I, we try to avoid i try to avoid comparing you know who had it the worst or you know it's like but it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to imagine someone having it worse than what you went through but regardless um when someone goes through adversity even if it's you know quote unquote less or different um it seems that you know, looking to others, like you talked about with, with your, your buddies and your family, you know, um, not just, not just focusing on yourself, um, really is able to kind of pull people through these hard times. Um, and then just looking back, I mean, most, yeah, I haven't had a guest say, I'm really thankful. I really want this to happen again, Right. you know, <laughs> whether it was a, a, you know, a divorce or just whatever. I mean, just um, financial, you know, bankruptcy. I really want to have go through bankruptcy again so I can learn some good lessons. Like that's, sure. no one says that, but, um, but it really does put things in perspective and, and helps you appreciate, you know, life at this point um um so and and honestly it's for me it's like it's really (laughs) refreshing just to you know just i mean again i'm not happy you had to go through this but just um i I love this show because it just it it does remind me and hopefully the listeners that um you know what, what likely what you're complaining about today myself included it's really not that it's really not that difficult i mean um but or or if it is you know we have lessons that we can take away from this so walk yeah. us through um you know obviously there's so much we could unpack here right um but walk us through kind of if you would over the next 15 years and sure. you know kind of catch us up through uh through today if you would yeah so I woke up at Walter Reed eight days after the blast and seeing my situation as badly as I wanted it to be a dream. It clearly wasn't. I saw my legs had been amputated. Arms were in casts. Um, Remembering, thinking, okay, I was very, especially initially, I was very happy that I was alive. And I was like, you know what, whatever else is going to happen, I'm alive. And that's, Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as reality set in, Mm -hmm. you know, I learned two of my best friends had died in that blast. That was awful. And it really taught me that at that moment, I realized 
that's when I, I think looking back on it, that's when I started my, living my life because I realized mm-hmm. it'd be crappy of me to sit there and feel sorry for myself when I got mm-hmm. a second chance at life that two of my best friends did not get. And it forced mm-hmm. me really to appreciate the life I had, regardless of how it was, because there was a lot of unknown at that point, because my pelvis mm-hmm. had been broken so bad. They didn't know if I'd be able to wear a prosthesis. Mm-hmm. So seeing that, and then the rea- the more the reality setting in of going, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore or this anymore or this anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's not how I'm wired. So after a little bit, you know, after a few minutes of it, I started just thinking, you know, as the shock was kind of wearing off thinking, Mm -hmm. but I can do this and this and this and this and that. And that Mm -hmm. list was so much greater than the list Mm -hmm. of things that I cannot do. You know, I might have to be a little more creative about stuff. So when I thought that my life kind of ended, little did I know it was just beginning. And Mm -hmm. so that was kind of the start of my growth. And uh, I was at Walter Reed for nine months. I walked out of there after nine months. They said it was going to be like two years. And I was like, no way. So I, I got back to Minnesota, medically retired from the Army, uh, mm-hmm. started working as a civilian contractor for the National Guard in marketing. And that, that really started giving me this purpose because I, in, in my first marriage, my marriage at that time, mm-hmm. um, it ended up being an open marriage, but nobody told me about it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. I was in this situation where really I was being told by, by this person that how much I really couldn't do that. I really needed to depend on everybody. And yeah. once I got that job yeah. working for the guard, it was a place that I needed to be, you know, cause I was basically, I was raising two stepsons and getting them to school and all that. And it was awesome. The awesome kids. I'll always mm-hmm. love them. And then I got this job. So it was more about that. But then when I got the job, yeah, I started feeling like I had a more of a purpose, purpose I had a place sure. to be. I was contributing to a greater cause, helping spread awareness about the Minnesota National Guard. Yeah. So yeah. more people could join and have an awesome career and learn the things that you and I both learned through military service. Yeah. And then through that, I started really getting my confidence. I decided then to run for the Minnesota House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. I knocked on thousands of doors, wore out a prosthetic leg. How, now, what, it, what made you get into, not made you, but what, what was the impetus for, for politics? They asked me very nicely. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. and, I, and, and I try to be a very accommodating person. So um, it's something <laughs> it. I always had a passion for, I was interested uh-huh. in, and I thought I'd be good at it. And so I thought, yeah. why not give it a chance? And that was, I decided to run in 2010. So, I mean, it yeah. really, I got home from uh, Walter Reed at, it was like August of 2007. So I hadn't been home long. It was like two and a half years by the time I decided to run. And I thought that was a really a good way to prove things to myself that I can do this and that I have mm-hmm. things to offer. Um, sure. And that was kind of the theme is it was like kind of this doubt that was being cast on me that you're not, not for me that I really had to get to a point on mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. that I believed in myself. And then I realized I had things to offer. And when I won that election, and really nobody thought I, I won by 452 votes, uh, <laughs> wow. it, was a, it was a tight one. I served yeah. one term, did some awesome things, and then decided I wasn't going to run for re-election. And so I left on my own terms, <laughs> got the job awesome. I have now, started the speaking. And then really yeah. at that point, that's when I decided to say goodbye to the, to the ex-wife. And if I hadn't mm-hmm. been through the bomb blast... The divorce probably would have been the worst thing that ever happened. To me. Hmm. And that's something I think that's an adversity a lot of people can relate to. Sure. Absolutely. Have, like 40 to 50% of the population gets a divorce. Right. But I had to prove to myself that I 
was worth it. And really, you have to kind of be selfish at some point about taking care sure. of yourself. You know, what yeah. they say when you're when there's a a chemical weapons. Yeah, attack, yeah, yeah. You have to put the yeah. mask on yourself before right. you help others put theirs no, on. Right. Absolutely. And that's an analogy for life. And I really I, I got to that point in 2015, 2016 that I finally said, you know what? I need to I need to take care of myself. I I'm better than having to put up with this nonsense and decided yeah. to say see you later. And then um, you know, the the speaking career really started taking off at that point. Mm-hmm. And really it was then that I, I mean, since then I've never been happier. I mean, mm-hmm. I have an awesome wife now. I have a three-year-old daughter and even like and i joke about it in the previous marriage and stuff i wouldn't be in the position i'm in without that sure so that's that's the thing too is we can always look back and go i wish i wish i didn't hit that bomb i wish i hadn't got married the first time i wish this but all of those with the right attitude all of those adversities we face shape us make us stronger and now if i had been a bitter sad person i wouldn't have met my current wife because she right. wouldn't have wanted to be any part of that. And so you have to let good things happen to you, you know, with your, with your attitude. Yeah. yeah that's really good. Um, that's so are you in now today, are you in any physical pain or, from, from the incident? I get sore. I get sore. Yeah. I don't, I'm very lucky that, you know, but I'm 40 years old now. I've been on yeah. these prosthetic legs for 16 years and that's our body isn't designed to really be on those. But it's yeah. not a terrible thing. I, I'm not on any, you know, narcotics to to treat it or anything. Yeah. Um, mental health wise, I'm good. So the narcotics that you're on are just for the Vikings. That's right. Yeah. Coors, <laughs> Coors Light and whiskey. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Um, yeah. The the main uh, fantasy guy that I follow is a lifelong Vikings fan. <laughs> Yeah, John Hansen, he he complains about it quite a bit. Yeah. But, we're um, a, we're a, a a sad bunch, you know. Eventually, <laughs> they'll win the Super Bowl. I don't know when it will yeah. be. Maybe in my daughter's lifetime, I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's my favorite thing to do. That Sundays are my my day that I don't book any speeches. I don't do anything. My wife's my wife likes football as well, so yeah. she know like Sunday I don't do anything. If it's warm, yeah. I'll golf in the morning get home in time to watch Sunday ticket, watch all yeah. the games and the Vikings. Yeah. And just, that's my day to shut my mind off and focus sure. on this distraction from life. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Football season is almost here. It is. So. I don't want summer to end, but when it does, <laughs> that's the consolation that, okay, well, football is here now. It's always something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, I'm going to fire off a few questions for you. Let it rip. What do people misunderstand about you today? Um, I think just looking at me, they assume that I probably, you know, that I have a, a bundle of PTSD or that I probably like that people will see situation. They probably feel sorry for me. Right. Which I always, even in, in, in my speech, I say I'm happier now than I've ever been in my entire life. And that's, yeah. and that is a big part of the reason for that is because I appreciate life because of what happened to me. And yeah. so, I would think that that's probably the biggest thing that they misunderstand sure. me. Yeah, we had uh, had uh, his name's AJ Osborne on the show. He, you know, went through uh, paralysis from uh, actually it was a bunch of vaccines, um, nothing to do with COVID, but um, and was in a wheelchair and you know, very difficult time. And he's he said he's in 
still he'll forever be in physical pain, but he's never had more joy or, you know, he's never been happier because, because of kind of what you're saying, because of the, just the appreciation for waking up every day and, you know, being able to serve a purpose, a greater purpose and that kind of thing. Um, what would you say is one of your biggest, uh, failures or, you know, regrets or, you know, something that you would change that you, you had control over, I guess. That's tough. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm not wired that way to really look back and regret. Yep. I try to learn from something and move up. Cause I know I can't change it. Cause of course, sure. so to, if I could change us driving down that road, if we had sure. taken, if we had driven one inch further to the right, yeah. Or maybe four inches further to the right. Um, yeah. That wouldn't have happened, but I know that's right. out of my control. So I, sure. I don't know. I don't really yeah. have any regrets. We yeah, all make good. mistakes. We all make poor decisions, but if we learn from them, we can try to not repeat them. And right. overall it shapes, shapes who we are. Sure. No, I couldn't agree more. It's like, you do need to, like you said, reflect and learn. And it's not like you never think about what happened or you don't process right. the, the reality of what's going on. You do need to do that. And you do need to focus on yourself and your situation, but for how long, <laughs> you right. know, at some point move on and then, you know, what can you do about it and move forward? So, um, if you could have coffee with any historical figure, they could still be alive today. Who would you choose? I think John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy or Ronald Reagan. So I had to pick two because it's just the, the that time frame that JFK yep. was president. It was just a wild, wild time in our history. And Ronald Reagan just seems like a cool dude. And, and that was kind of yeah. a wild time in our history too. And yeah, um, it just... He just seemed cool. I mean, he was assassinated and then comes back. And I don't know if you've seen the video <laughs> clip where he's at a speech and a balloon popped. Okay. No, and he that's... says, missed me. That was like his reaction. <laughs> and everyone that's laughed. Awesome. And that shows like he, that, that says a lot about a man's character is that he went through that. He can still joke about it. That's really, that's kind of how I try to be. Yeah. Um, so those two, those two, I think, you know, that's the awesome. other one, George W. Bush, I always thought was awesome. He, he actually, I got to meet him three times at Walter Reed. He pinned on my purple heart. So that one, wow. I got to check that box. I have pictures with him and stuff like that. So I don't consider him a historical figure because yeah, yeah. he's still around. But I <laughs> think in order, JFK, then Ronald Reagan. Love it. Um, that's awesome. Um, if you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? I would invest. I would invest a good amount of it. I yeah, would, what, we, what would you invest in? I would put it in some some diverse mutual funds and, and let it grow. I would pay off the house. Uh, I would still keep working because I enjoy what I do and I don't like to sit around. Yeah. Um, and then I would make sure my daughter's college is paid for. Love it. Yeah, I've uh, I've I don't look forward to retirement myself. I mean, maybe slowing down a little bit at some point, but you know, I don't I don't want to sit around either yeah, um, my, my father-in-law is one of my favorite people on the planet he's 70 years old he seems like he's in his upper 50s or low 60s he's been retired for probably close to 10 years he's super busy he's always golfing doing this traveling doing like and he yeah. just he gets younger as the days go by it seems like and that's that's how it's supposed to be that's how i envision retirement yeah. whenever that day comes absolutely 
It's awesome. Um, now I know you did write a book, but if you had to write another book this year, what would it be about? I think like I've toyed with the idea of maybe like a, a, either a kid's book kind of describing what happened and just kind of the overcoming adversity thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I still might do, but the, the other thing would be, I think I would just, I, I would talk about politics and not Democrat, Republican, whatever, but I didn't know a thing when I went in. And I think that's why it worked out and why I did well is because I kind of went in doing my own thing. I didn't yep. have allegiance to, you know, I had, you have to, sadly, you have to pick a party. Right. But I did my own thing. I didn't <laughs> tow the party line, mm-hmm. but just the, how it works. And it's such an interesting thing. Where mm-hmm. from the outside, a lot of times people are like, oh, it's nonsense. Nothing ever gets done. Right. Where some of the times stuff not getting done is actually stuff. It's actually good. And yeah. so that part of it, just the inner workings of a state legislature, mm-hmm. I think would be kind of cool. And when I was in, we had a state shutdown, $5.2 billion budget deficit for the state. And the Vikings were probably going to leave if we didn't get a new stadium. And so we oh, got right. the budget deficit solved. I was uh, part of the the team that got the Vikings legislation moving forward. And then, uh, yeah. So that just, that session would end up being a decent book, I think. Yeah. I imagine there's a lot of good content from that period. So the, uh, because they had the the roof collapse, right? Um, That that helped. That was the end of 2010. Okay. And then we got the bill passed to get the stadium in May of 2012. So that, that, um, it wouldn't, I don't know if it would have happened without that roof collapsing because that was <laughs> kind of the we had a massive yeah. snowstorm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, the video collapsed. was crazy. I mean, I feel like that was man, I'm getting old, but um, just watching that it, it so because then they played the whole season without any home games, right? No, that was the oh, very end of the 2010 season, which the okay. season had been a disaster. So then that okay. game against the Giants got moved to be okay. played in Detroit. On Got that, it. I think it was on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Gotcha. General admission. So then everyone there just got to run in and just go grab seats. And it was yeah, weird, Got weird it. season. That was Brett Favre's end. And then they came back and played in the outdoor stadium for the Gophers, but the field was frozen. Brett Favre got knocked unconscious because the because it was like being playing on asphalt. So got it, it just uh, okay. good old bikes. Yeah. Um, if you had to try a different occupation. What would you try? Ooh, maybe an attorney. Okay. Maybe an attorney. Re- uh, the Why strategy of it. Strategy, yeah. Interesting, yeah. Nice. I like it. Do you listen to any any podcasts or uh, that you could recommend to our audience? Um, main mainly, I listen to if I I listen to KFAN Morning Till yep. Night. That's the channel I'm on. Yep. And I listen to some of the podcasts surrounding that. Otherwise, I'm listening to fantasy football podcasts, sports nice. betting podcasts. Nice. Um, I will do. There was one that's like uh, things that you should know that I found interesting. Um, just, yeah. I will occasionally just whatever is recommended. I'll go. That looks interesting. If sure. I'm on a road trip to a speaking engagement, I'll be like, that sounds interesting. I'll give it a try. But nothing yeah. really sticks because I'm hooked on KFAN. Understood. What's your, yeah. Talk about your, your radio show a little bit. Yeah. So I appear on the power trip morning show, which is, uh, it's on five 30 to nine o'clock AM central time, uh, podcastable on all the platforms, or you can listen live on iHeart 
radio, uh, mm-hmm. the app. It's a sport where it's the sports talk station locally, and it's throughout the upper Midwest. But we talk about a lot of goofy stuff. It's a morning show, and that's what I love about it is mm-hmm. it's a distraction from life. We'll give you the sports scores. We'll tell you some of the important news stories. But then yeah. we're going to tell random stories about a man in Florida did this <laughs> or this random thing happened. And yeah. um, it's just goofy. And we're all friends. And so it just works. So I'm one that's of these awesome. contributors to the show. There's the three guys that are on every day. And they just do a great job. It's the number one rated morning show in the Twin Cities currently and has been for a few years. So just I've been on it for 15 years. And I just every day I'm thankful that I get to be a part of that, that uh, just zaniness. That's so cool. Yeah. Even like the the fantasy football stuff I'll listen to. It's like, it is educational, but yeah, it's entertaining, you know, and that's why I keep coming back. <laughs> and I remember uh, as, as, when I was younger, I could be, you could say New Orleans Saints and I could tell you the starting quarterback, starting running back, starting wide receiver. And I could probably do that now, but right. it, the off season is and now having a, a, a toddler I'm chasing around is like <laughs> right. oh, hold on he's on he's on what team he got trade oh that's right all right yes Tyreek Hill was traded to Miami and this happened yeah. and all you know and he's so, got a he's got a better quarterback now right or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah oh right. yeah he did say that <laughs> I think that about? was uh, I think that was him trying to get listeners for his own podcast or something probably, but. <laughs> probably. But yeah so now i cram like an it's an exam you know i've got i've yeah. got seven fantasy football leagues i'm in and the drafts are coming up soon yeah. so now i'm like cramming to get all of this information yeah yeah at least to, i've ever been prepared in my life I think yeah i feel the same way we're doing an auction draft in our main league and we've never done an auction draft and i'm like oh what, it's what? the best <laughs> it is the, it is the best you'll never we'll want to, to go back we'll have to talk offline yes. but um so um I guess kind of circling back to some of the lessons you've learned and and um you know for our listeners who either are going through a hard time right now or are going to go through a hard time which is all of us everybody yep. <laughs> um and again I just to reiterate I've said this on other episodes but we we don't act like oh you know John went through adversity in 2006 and and then it now he's in abundance um it, it's it, that would be ridiculous but yeah. But what, you know, whether it's mindset or actions you can take or, you know, what would you say to the listener as far as you know, maybe the couple of the, the top things to consider when going through a hard time and how to how to get through that, around that, over that um, and to get to, quote unquote, abundance? Just know that it will end. That adversity will end. And so you keep a positive attitude as much as you possibly can. No one's going to be like, wow, this adversity is so much fun. I'm so glad <laughs> I'm going through it. But you have a yeah. positive attitude. The ability to laugh at yourself will get you through a lot of things. Then like you get that. through that adversity, even if it felt like it would never end, it will end. And you can look back and and grow yeah. from it. And, don't, and, and that's where I, what I don't want is people to look at me and go, well, at least I have both yeah. legs. It could be worse. No. To, to each person, the adversity they're going through is the, that's the most important adversity in the world because it affects them. And right, so right. you can't control the things that happen to you, but you can always yeah. can control how you respond. And I always try and look at it as if my daughter's watching, how would I mm-hmm. want her? How, what example would I want to set as to how right. to get through this? You know, that's the, you know, one of my, yep. one of my biggest things is integrity. 
and integrity, you know, in the military, it was one of the yeah. army values that yeah. how it behave as if someone's always watching you. Sure. All right. And Absolutely. it's sad. It shouldn't be phrased that way, but that's kind of the thing. It's like, yeah. you do the right thing, even when nobody's watching. Right. That adversity is kind of the same way. It's like, if someone was next to you and you want to set the example for them, little Chloe, if she's next to me, yeah, I want to look at her and say, no, this is, this is tough, sweetheart, but this yeah. is how we're going to get through it. Watch this. Right. That's kind of how I look at it. And then in the end, you get through it and you go, okay, I learned something from it. I'm stronger because of it. And that's I think really that's, that's the key takeaway. Yeah. It's not going to last forever. And you're, and you're stronger from, for having gone through it. Um, yeah. I couldn't agree more on the integrity, just a, a, a shameless plug. I've got uh, two mortgage note funds that I run and one is one we're raising capital for right now from investors. And, and again, this isn't what the episode is about, but they are called the Integrity Mortgage Note Fund and the Integrity Income Fund. And honestly, it's because, you know, and, and I'm not the the number one example. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but integrity is very important to me as well. Just doing what you say you're going to do. And yes. certainly things happen and you can't always follow through on what you thought you could, but just do what you say you're going to do. I mean, that puts you in the top 10% right there, but no, that's really, really good. Um, yeah. So as we, as we wrap up here, um, tell us a little bit more about your, uh, where do you do your speaking engagements? What, tell us about that. Throughout the United States, primarily upper Midwest, because that's sure. where, you know, the radio show is broadcast and that's where people yep. are aware of, of me and, and what I do. But yep. it's now grown into something that, you know, the word of mouth is an amazing thing. So, I mean, I've had speeches in Maui, uh, Palm Springs recently, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I've got Austin, Texas coming. So I, a lot of them just all throughout. And so mm -hmm. if people are interested and want to hear my story and I make sure I inject humor throughout it, that at the very beginning, that was more for me, but it does also make the audience relax and it lightens sure. up what is a very heavy story at times. Um, yeah. So this way they can walk away in and inspired really and feeling uplifted but they can uh, go to my website johncreasel.com i'm also on twitter instagram those are my two primary ones but facebook and all that stuff so i'm easy to track town but yeah i'm very thankful i still there's not a day that i get up on stage and don't go wow i get to do this i'm the luckiest person in the world and so uh, I'm, I'm a very lucky guy i can't believe how my life worked out. And so it, it feels like a dream at times, especially looking back on that day that I will always look back on laying there and thinking my life is going to end. And it truly and was. Here you are. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and for those listening, uh, Creasel's K R I E S E L Correct. like diesel. Yes. Um, <laughs> John diesel Creasel. Um, <laughs> So, um, you got any any good jokes for us before we we uh, sign off here? Oh, probably not. <laughs> but, not. Not what I could share on this on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, we had. Uh, I do try to generally keep it clean. Episode yes. one um, was not clean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that, and, and it was the first one too. So people are like, "Wow, this podcast is going to be yeah, greasy." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mark Owens, he's uh, amazing story. Just you know, crazy story, but, um, 
great guy. And uh, but once we uh, once he opened the floodgates on the f bombs, it was, you know, all bets were off. But uh, <laughs> I try to keep it so we don't have to put the, sure. the e label on it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So so John, I really do thank you um so much for your time. I know you're. I mean, you've got you know the radio show. You've got your other full time job. Then you've got your family speaking engagements you know golf and and then and the most important thing is is studying up for your fantasy football drafts here coming That's up correct. <laughs> <laughs> um so any any uh parting thoughts for our listeners as we sign off here no just uh thanks for having me on and remember yeah things that things that happen to us we can't control but you always can control how you respond so so do that positive attitude sense of humor one of the biggest pieces of advice i give people is on those tough days which we all have Take a post-it note, write three to five things in your life that you're truly thankful for, things that put a smile on your face. Put that on your bathroom mirror. That's the first thing you see when you wake up and start your next day. And I tell you what, a positive thought in the morning sets the tone for your entire day. Better than a cup of coffee, all right? Life is good. (laughs) I love that. That's really tactical. And how hard is that to to actually do? Not that hard, right? I mean, it's like, just do it. (laughs) That's that's awesome. That's a really good... uh, piece of advice well well i've got a coffee joke real fast this was on my dad my dad joke calendar today um since you mentioned coffee um coffee has a hard time in this household it gets mugged every morning so anyway um no I, <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note we better hit we better stop the recording john thanks a lot really appreciate it this has been fantastic we i know i got a lot of value out of this and also thank you for your service and um thanks for yours Absolutely. So to the listeners out there, thank you for spending uh, your most valuable resource with us. And that's your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, inspiring stories of mental, physical, and financial transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.